right, it's Monday. It is April 10th, and we are beginning Fantasy Week 2 of 26. We're almost done, Heath. Time flies. Football is right around the corner. <laughs> Football is always right around the corner, it seems. Uh, NFL draft coming up soon. Hooray. Heath is in some kind of Monday mood today, but not like the bad Monday. Like, he is a case of the uh, super unbelievable amazing Mondays. I had a very good weekend, and uh, baseball is awesome, and Salvador Perez is going to hit a home run every game, and things are going good. Four home runs for Salvador Perez. You had a good weekend, huh? Yeah, yeah. My uh, son had a basketball tournament and played very well, and now we're uh, getting ready to head to a national qualifier. So, Oh, busy. awesome. Excellent. Uh, who are you leading off your waiver wire column with? Or I know you've already written it. Who, who'd you lead it off with? I am buying in one last time to Steven Souza. And I know what you're going to say about how Steven Souza started last year, but this year's different because he's not striking out. Now he's not going to have a 6.7% K rate like he did in the first week of the season. He's not going to hit 417 either. He's not going to walk three times as many times as he strikes out. But man, if he could just get that strikeout rate down to 20 or 25% like he did in the minor leagues for the most part, he was only at 18% in AAA in 2014. If he just gets down to that range, you're looking at a 270, 280 hitter with 25 plus home runs. Okay. Well, Souza is 30, now 33% owned. He's 27 years old and he's got 10 hits and 24 at bats with a home run. He's got he's got obvious power, Steven Souza, but yeah, it's been a disappointing career for him. This would be a big time post hype sleeper. I asked, Absolutely. I, asked I think you, he's actually in my post hype sleepers column, oh. which maybe gives me some confirmation bias as a reason to believe in this. But the thing is, like he's twenty seven, he'll be twenty eight relatively soon. And I've generally given up on guys improving a great deal at that point in their career, but he still has less than a thousand plate appearances. So I don't think there's any reason to think that he couldn't get that strikeout rate back down a little bit more under control. I asked you off the air if you drop Keon Broxton for for uh, for Steven Souza. Let me ask you: Would you drop A. Broxton, B. Buxton for Souza? I would drop Buxton for Souza. Would you? Nick- I don't. I don't you- know what Buxton did yesterday, but I tweeted out before Nothing. yesterday's game. Coming into yesterday's game, he had a 175 career strikeouts. 173 career total bases. Uh, well, first of all, he's been moved down in the order. He's been batting 7th and 8th over the weekend, and Buxton is 2 for 26 with 13 strikeouts and one walk. He may need to be moved down in the organization again. Would you Would you nickname your team Dr. Souza? Are you ready to do I that? Would, I, I don't dislike that. Okay. All right, I just want to see where you're at with Souza, how committed you are. Um, hey— mean- Let's talk about more players, Heath, and Scott's going to be joining us shortly as well. Stat of the day, according to ESPN, stats and info, uh, teams that entered the ninth inning with a six-plus run lead had won 346 games in a row. But that ended yesterday. Not a good day to be a Mariners fan. Not a good week to be a Mariners fan. They're off to a terrible start. The bullpen uh, implosion yesterday, I guess the only fantasy thing here. They gave up They gave up a seven-run lead. They lost. Or they gave up a six-run lead. They lost uh, on a seven-run ninth to the Angels on the road. Uh, Edwin Diaz, any any worries here? Uh, no, not at all. All right. I'm fine. Everybody else is bad, too. So listen, if you're, if you're new to the show or you just forgot, here's what we do on Monday. We recap a lot of what went on over the weekend. We talk about the pitchers and hitters that did well and those that did poorly. We talk about who we added on our rosters and give you a little context of uh, how much we like the waiver wire guys. We'll look at the most added list and look at who you added to your rosters, um, the weekend standouts and all that. I think big news should be coming in Philadelphia, not necessarily, but it does seem like Jean Mar Gomez, Jean Mar Gomez, as Pete McCannon calls him, I'm going to go with his pronunciation, uh, is probably going to lose his closer's role. If not, I, how could he not? Yeah. Like what, if, if you don't lose your job now, what would you have to do? Although it was nice that he picked up a win. So good, <laughs> I knew, for, good I knew. for people that started John Mar Gomez. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't know if it's going to be Hector Neris. It's probably going to be Neris or Joaquin Benoit because Neris is a very good, valuable pitcher, and, and they don't want to lose his versatility necessarily. So so get on that before you hear the announcement. If you need a closer, Neris Benoit. That's how you'd rank it, right? Neris one, Benoit two. Yes, and Neris was in the waiver wire column today. He is still just forty percent owned. So. I would expect that will be rising throughout the week. I don't know that he'll get the first shot, but yeah, I would sure like to see it. 
He's the best pitcher. And I don't, uh, I didn't really make that many ad drops this weekend. I, I added Hunter Renfro in a 12 team, three outfielder points leagues. I actually, points league actually dropped. Okay, I drafted Hunter Renfro. I dropped him for Carlos Gomez a few days ago. I added him again, dropping Keon Broxton. So I'm playing a little, uh, outfielder roulette there, but mm-hmm. I like to start that Renfro's off too. Uh, I added Denard Span for $0 in a Roto League. And other than that, I really stood pat over the weekend. I did not do much. Uh, how about you? Um, I added Alex Wood in one league as a, just kind of a just-in-case, going to keep him on the bench this week and see if he does something that makes him worth owning. Okay. I added two-start Tyler Chatwood in a league where I was really desperate at starting pitcher. Oh, wow. Um, one of those starts is at course, but it's against the Padres, so there's still some reason for hope there. He's not a bad pitcher. I was able to get Travis Shaw in the in the one league that I didn't have him. Uh, he was available in the waivers wire, so I added him. I think for eight percent of my Fab budget. Okay. Um, and then it seems like there was maybe one more ad. Scott, who did you add? The most, the two most exciting additions I had, I would, the ones I was excited to see when I woke up this morning, I got Greg Holland for $8 in, um, a weekly fab league. I don't know what his ownership percentage was up to, but I, I don't imagine in daily ad leagues he was available in too many le- uh, too many still. No. And I was, I was excited in Tout Wars, which is 15 team roto. Um, I got Joaquin Benoit for the equivalent it's a thousand dollar fab, so like one point six dollars if you're converting down to a hundred. I got him for sixteen dollars. Neris was actually owned in I think all of the leagues I'm in but one. He was already owned. Um, I guess, you know, just You got Mitch Hanniger in our league. Speculating. Yeah, I did get Mitch Hanniger. You got uh, Kendall Graveman too. Are you are you excited about your Kendall Graveman ad? Which league did I get him in? The podcast points league. Twelve team podcast okay, points league. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was a he was a player who I put a lot of bids out there on. Um, I was normally prioritizing the closers over him, and I prioritized Mitch Haniger in leagues where I didn't already own him. But uh, Graveman, uh, the velocity up this year, and what back-to-back, was it two-hit efforts in both? It just allowed two hits in each of them? Yeah, he's been great. Mm-hmm. I, the reason I didn't go after Graveman, I thought about it. One, there wasn't really anybody I, I really wanted to drop. I would have had to drop like Ivan Nova, and he had a good enough start where I just stuck with him. Uh, he's, Graveman is still throwing almost exclusively sinkers. I don't know, I don't know how much success he can, I mean, I feel like he's, th- I think he's throwing like 90% sinkers or something crazy like that. So, I'm not saying he shouldn't be added. I'm just saying. Right. I was thinking, man. Really? I don't think so. Ninety percent's pretty absurd. Uh, you could check it out. It's it's a he's basically a one pitch guy right like now. And yeah, Al, two hits. Al added him in our head to head auction league and dropped Gio Gonzalez. I would do that. I'm not sure if I would or not. Yeah, you're right. Eighty. Uh, this last start was ninety two point nine percent sinkers. Yeah, I mean that ball has wicked movement on it though. That's oh, a good pitch. Uh, it it could yeah. work. I just I don't know. Probably limits the strikeout upside and. We've seen, no, like, I'm not no matter how wicked the fine. movement of a pitch is, if you throw it every time and everybody knows that it's coming, it right. becomes less wicked. But it, it looks like it moves differently. I won't say every time. There are probably only a, few, a limited number of movements it can make, but it, it doesn't follow the same motion every time he throws it. And, uh, I mean, a strikeout per inning so far this year, a strikeout per inning this spring, I, I don't know. Obviously, the reason he wasn't already considered a fantasy commodity is because he hasn't been a good strikeout pitcher in the past, and that's led to other issues. But I don't think his sinker's been as effective in the past as it looks like it is early this year. Very possible. Now, <laughs> let me update everybody on uh, what what nobody cares about. Uh, Team Scam and Team Kreef took it on the chins. This week. Oh, we got crushed. In the podcast categories league, uh, Team Scam went 1-7-2, and two, and Team Kreeth went 2-8, and eight, and a new poll has been posted uh, from Ryan McGarry. Who will end up with a better record, Scam or Kreeth? I think I might vote for Kreeth because I'm so upset. Uh, nah, I'll vote for Scam. Uh, but it was, uh, it was a bad week for us. Actually, it was a pretty crappy week for me in general in fantasy. Of my five leagues, I only did well in one. So, But things will change. 
Uh, yesterday in my in our auction league, I had uh, in our roto league, I had Marco Estrada, Garrett Cole, Daniel Norris, and Edwin Diaz pitching yesterday. So I had a seven ERA. Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm dead last in basically every pitching category. Uh, it's, it's a good start. It's a good start. A I need I had to go log on. I hadn't seen the poll yet, so I wanted to vote for Crease to make sure you guys didn't jump out ahead of us. Uh, we're ahead. What the nothing? Uh, that's tied. <laughs> uh, who stood out to you this weekend, Scott? Why don't you Why don't you start like weekend standouts? Okay. Well, while I open up the email of uh. 30 names I suggested for doing player update videos today because that would probably be a good way to figure out who stood out to me this weekend. Um, I want to mention that Brandon Webb, back when he was good, threw his sinker about 75 to 80% of the time, and he was winning Cy Youngs and such. So Look at that, the Kendall Graveman. Uh, no, it's a good point, Scott. Yeah, I didn't mean to dump I'd, all over Kendall Graveman. I, I I didn't know what the answer would be when I was looking it up. I was just curious because I felt like uh he was somebody who okay, it's taking me too long to open this email, so I'm just going to go off the top of my head. Why don't I go? You uh, want me to Manuel go? Mar- uh, Manuel Margot <laughs> okay. having that two homer game made me think about adding him in a couple leagues. Yeah, he's uh, off to Hanniger. a nice start. Mitch Hanniger, obviously. I mean, bet home runs on back to back days this weekend. I mean and 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 long ones to like center field. Well, who do you like better, Hanniger or Margot? Hanniger, but I had them. Uh, I had a bid put in for them, like you know, I prioritized Hanniger just over Margot in um, in a head-to-head points league, and it's like it's kind of interesting. Margot, we we kind of build him as a steel specialist coming into the year, and you know maybe that's all he ends up being, but. That would be, you'd think of him strictly as a roto guy in that sense. If he is one of these, you know, 12 to 15 homer guys with pretty good extra base pop, I, I think that kind of shifts his value more over to points leagues with as little as he strikes out. He becomes like one of those sum is greater, whole is greater than the sum of the parts guys, like, uh, like a Francisco Lindor, for instance. And, um, and so maybe that makes him more valuable in that format. I don't know. I think it's worth a shot if you need outfield help um, because I'm always willing to gamble on talent uh, if if that talent then shows signs of getting some production to back it up. Heath, would you rather have Manuel Margot or Steven Souza? I will go with Souza. But I, I was excited about Margot. I'm going to try, by the way, to read some emails later in the show at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Uh, all right, Heath, stand out for you? Well, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that stood out as much as Francisco Liriano stood out. That Ooh. was uh, woof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was uh, – let me get the let me get the numbers there. Liriano, 77% owned. He uh, did not get out of the first inning. He gave up I, – I have his line com- completely messed. I think he gave up five runs with four walks on three hits in like a third of an inning or something like that. It was terrible at Tampa Bay. And, uh, yeah, 2016 with the Blue Jays, Liriano had a 292 ERA, a 1.18 whip, which is really good for him and a, and a strikeout per inning. So, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I certainly didn't drop him. Was anybody giving thought of dropping Liriano after this horrible start? There was one league where, you know, Finnegan, Brandon Finnegan was still available into the weekend. And I think he was the only league where Finnegan was still available. So, you know, you're thinking, Fairly shallow league as far as pitching is concerned if he was even still out there. And I was willing to drop exchange Liriano for Finnegan in that case just because, like, if nobody's picking up Finnegan after that start, nobody's picking up Liriano after that start, you right. know? Yeah, I, I, we'll have to watch Liriano and see what happens. He could turn into, like, he's up there in age and he's always kind of walked the tightrope. He could turn into, like, an Ubaldo Jimenez who you drop him and then he has a really good start and you pick him up and then he's awful for three weeks and then you drop him and then he does the same thing again. And then I would say, like I mentioned it earlier, but Salvador Perez with four home runs, just ride this for a little while and then you can sell him around the end of May. <laughs> well, that's I the am thing. still optimistic about Liriano long term, by the way, that, which is why I was holding on to him. I, I mean, the thing with, with uh, Salvador Perez is that we fantasy veterans know at this point he they wear they wear him out. Ned Yost doesn't rest him enough, and Perez I think has had three straight bad second halves. 
Well, so, I think his plan this year is just to hit more home runs so he doesn't have to run uh, around the bases. He can just jog. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a great strategy. Why didn't more people think about that? Uh, yeah, so at some point you probably want to sell high on, on Salvador Perez, but if you're in a league where like everybody knows, you might have to do it sooner rather than later. Uh, but yeah, he's off to a great start. It, like he's, it'd be hard to, to justify selling him to yourself though, knowing the kind of catcher you're going to replace him with, right? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't trade him for, uh, man. The, what you're, what you're hoping to do is just accept a little downgrade at catcher. And get better somewhere else, I think, because then you're hoping that it's not actually a downgrade because Perez is just as bad as that guy. In the yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, there are two catchers that don't have a hit right now, by the way, Austin Hedges and Russell Martin. Your thoughts? Um, a little bit more like Hedges. Both of them are worrisome. Martin's old and Hedges hasn't proven anything. But if it was. I mean, Jonathan Lucroy has what? One hit. Yeah, right. He's but been bad. we think he's much better than those right. two. Right, so you're still just applying your preseason ideas on these players. Right, I would just say that an older player is more likely to have just lost it, and a younger player is more likely to just get sent back down. Russell Martin started last year batting 172. 172 with 45 strikeouts in his first 39 games. And then he was pretty good. At last 98 games, he had 252 with 20 home runs, so... Got off to a yeah. terrible start last year, too. Sounds like right. he's just was... not doing a very good job of preparing in the offseason. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I, w- I was sure he had lost it with that strikeout rate the first seven weeks last year. and uh, Fooled you! <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, I wanted to talk about a few pitchers from the weekend. One, Michael Waka. Michael Waka is about 80% owned, and he was brilliant on Saturday. Six innings, three hits, one run, one walk, six strikeouts. So this happened to be one of the games that I watched, so maybe that's why he stood out to me. But even the Cardinals broadcaster was saying like he couldn't remember seeing Michael Waka pitch this well. He had 13 swinging strikes on only 83 pitches. Last year, Waka reached 13 swinging strikes twice, and he did that on 114 pitches and 97 pitches. He did it on, thir- on 83 pitches on Saturday. So he's off to a good start. Let's keep an eye on that. And then two pitchers who are struggling right now that were drafted around the same range as uh, high upside number threes or maybe solid number two starting pitchers. Garrett Cole. I mean, look, the, the ERA wasn't terrible. Six innings, three runs. That's not good. But a lot of hits so far this year um, and not that many strikeouts. And Masahiro Tanaka. I, let's see if you guys agree. I am not panicking, but worried about Garrett Cole and really want to buy low on Tanaka because he his velocity is fine. I mean, I saw him hitting like 94 on the gun, and it's just control, and he's never been a control problem. Tanaka has never walked more than 1.6 batters per night. He's all over the place. The only thing I would say to that, and it was a good point that Scott made in the preseason when I wasn't worrying about Wade Davis, and he was, is that a lot of times when there's an injury issue, it's the control that goes and not the velocity. And there was that report that the Yankees weren't really interested in Tanaka after this year because they're not happy with his arm. So uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm concerned about both of these guys, but I'm not to the point to where I'm benching either one of them. Well, the, the report was, yeah, I mean, the report was like they, they would, if he opted out, they were, they're not going to sign him to a new contract because of concerns about his arm. You know, he's got the partially torn UCL. And that did occur to me. But it, but also, he was the most dominant starting pitcher in spring training. So, it was, you know, it, it hasn't been an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was just spring training. That's that's worth bringing up anytime we talk about contrasting performances. But I I agree more or less with your assessment, Adam. And... You know, I was I was kind of the low guy on Garrett Cole coming in because it seemed like his velocity was great last year too, and even before he missed the time with the uh, with it was a triceps oblique that that time he missed with the injury from for a good chunk middle portion of the season the strikeout rate wasn't there and it wasn't there this spring and it hasn't been here through two games so whatever went wrong for him last year it seems like it's just continued so far and. I still don't know what the answer to what it is, but it's uh it's it's worrisome. I'd I'd be I'd be interested in shopping him if I felt like I could get a good enough um return. Obviously don't wanna take a low ball offer, but you know, maybe Tanaka himself is somebody you can offer Cole up for. 
You know, I Cole is a, is a one-star pitcher at the Cubs this week, and I as of now, I'm going to set my lineup again, you know, before the game start at 1. As of now, I got him on the bench. I'm starting a two-star Alex Cobb in a points league over Garrett Cole. And I don't remember who I'm starting in the Roto League over Garrett Cole, but I got him on the bench for, again, Alex Cobb. And, yeah, I don't know. I might start him over, like, Jason Hamill. But Hamill's facing Oakland. Cole's at the Cubs. I, I, I'm, I'm nervous. Yeah, I, I don't know that I necessarily disagree with the two-star Alex Cobb over him in a points league. But I just don't feel like I have four other starters on most teams that I'm going to start over Cole. I'm, I'm not starting one start Jason Hamill over Garrett Cole. Mm, okay. Yeah, I don't think I'd go that far either. All righty, guys. Um, you know, last year, the first week of the season was really fun. We had mostly Trevor Story to thank for that. He was going nuts, and every day was like, Trevor Story or this guy? Where are we putting him in our rankings? Trevor Story or this guy? It was Aaron Sanchez came, you know, was, was dominant. Um, who, who is this year's Trevor Story? That's clearly Mitch Hanniger, right? I, I don't think so. He's not doing, nobody's doing what Story did. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, uh, Story if, was doing historic, historic. I was gonna say uh, Nomar thing. Mazzara potentially being that guy. But Mazzara, we had a higher expectation for than, like, Story kinda came out of nowhere. Mazzara's not coming out of nowhere. He was he was pretty decent last year, and he's 22 years old, and he's one of the top prospects in baseball a couple years ago. All right, so let's not take it yeah. too literally here. I'm talking like I mean, it it might be Graveman, right? Might be <laughs> like might a be. guy who goes from complete afterthought in fantasy, and again, it's not apples to apples either because Story had a big spring last year and started to get drafted late in mixed leagues, but but Graveman. Uh, yeah, it, I I it, I don't know that we can really speculate what kind of pitcher he's going to be if this velocity gain is legit and sustainable. Um, but I do know he's always a guy the Athletics have valued greatly. Remember when they traded Josh Donaldson to the Blue Jays, and for what seemed like a bunch of non-prospects, their their reasoning behind it was. The, the package was just too attractive to pack, pass on, and it was mostly headlined by Graveman and Simeon. And um, it just seems like they've always, they've since acquiring Graveman, they've always been higher on him than the rest of the baseball world has, and maybe it's starting to to show now. Why? Okay. All right. So no necessarily Trevor story, right? I, I think it's been sort of a tame week one. I mean, there are some storylines. JT Real Muto hitting five hundred. Uh, yeah. Think about Mazzara. Greg, Greg Holland's back. Yeah, he's been great. That's that's a big one. Uh, well, let me Jean just Herman say. Let me just uh, say something about Mazzara real quick. He, he's he's uh, 0 for three against lefties so far, and he had only two extra base hits in 111 at bats against lefties last year. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. And if I could add something about Mitch Haniger, who again I made sure he was owned in every league. I had him in a lot already, but I. Like, it, it could still go wrong for him, obviously. A three-homer week is great. It's encouraging. It's reason to pick him up everywhere. He also has 10 strikeouts and 28 at-bats. Now, strikeouts weren't a big issue for him in the minors, so maybe it's just a issue of small sample size. But if he is striking out one every three at-bats all year, he becomes more like what Steven Souza was the first couple years of his career, and that's probably not going to be mixed league uh, I, valuable. I was curious when I was putting together the waiver wire column this morning, I did not put Mitch Hanniger in the column mm-hmm. because he was up over 63% owned. I don't feel like Hanniger should be 100% owned. Hmm. Probably not, but if he was only 60, I probably would have put him at 63. I, I use Cunny's 80 as the cutoff. Okay, yeah, for, I, for I, a didn't, player I didn't have anybody of, over 60, so yeah. I guess it doesn't look like I excluded him. I just excluded right. those guys that were 60 to 80 percent. Right, right. <laughs> um, because I'm sure there are a decent number of mixed leagues out there where he is still available, and I, I do think it probably needs to be up over 80, maybe close to 90 at this point. Yeah, I'm surprised Hanniger is not owned in, in closer to 80 percent of leagues. Um, all right, so there, look, Yasso Puig's another guy who's been off to a good start. Uh, Gerardo Parra is off to a really good start. He's 45% owned. So, you know, it's, it's only been one week. Miguel Sano. Miguel Sano not really striking out much. That's 
it's a great sign. He's batting 350 with two home runs. Well, he's he's striking out four walks, seven strikeouts. Another thing to pay attention to, and just so I can say his name again, because I feel like when I said his name the first time, we just skipped over it. <laughs> um, positional eligibility. We have gotten past the five-game mark for a lot of teams. So we're seeing guys that were not necessarily eligible at certain positions. John Harris Solarte is now second base eligible as well. Oh, and by the way, he's crushing the ball. And Brandon Jury is as well, and he's also Brand, crushing Brandon, the ball. Yes, Brandon Jury as well. Who's better, Jury or Solarte? I would rather have Solarte for sure in a points league, I think in Roto too. Okay. Scott, Jury or Solarte? Um, ah, uh, gosh, that's close. I, I think Drury. I think I like the upside, overall upside a little more for Drury. Okay. Uh, one more hitter real quick here, and then we'll, we'll talk about the injuries. Gary Sanchez on the DL will tell you to start or sit. Uh, Greg Bird, Jackie Bradley, Josh Donaldson, Trey Turner. Uh, but, you know, Chris mentioned during the pre- off se- preseason, like spring training, that Yonder Alonso was changing his swing, trying to do the fly ball, loft, launch angle thing, whatever it is that the kids are doing these days. And I said, right. well, if it works for Yonder Alonso, then I'll buy in, you know. And he's 6% owned, but he's batting 389 with a home run, three walks and three strikeouts and a double, and sitting against lefties. But I just wanted to throw that out. I thought it was funny because I just had absolutely no faith in Alonzo being mixed league relevant, but off to a good start. Well, I will just say not to poo-poo yonder Alonzo because the one home run's great. Um, but the, the hitting the ball in a, the air a lot more is not something that's supposed to help your BABIP, and he's got a 430 BABIP. So, it, he's, he's hit a lot of balls in play, and that's good, but that's about it. Alrighty. Uh, hey, look, uh, getting a lot of listener tweets lately. Got a few more over the weekend about SeatGeek. This is true. Now, people are downloading the SeatGeek app. They're using the promo code FANTASY to save 20 bucks. It's baseball season. Go to a baseball game, or go to a concert, or a play, or a comedy show. Use SeatGeek to find tickets, and when you use SeatGeek, get a $20 rebate off your first purchase with our promo code FANTASY. And here's the thing. After you use the promo code, you're not going to get the discount, but you're still going to use SeatGeek every time you need t- you need tickets, just like I do. Why? Because SeatGeek saves you time and money. It's the best place to buy tickets. SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites for you to pull in all of the best deals and SeatGeek grades every seat based on value. That means you can easily see which tickets are, are the best bargains. It's really like a very clever, very simple, easy-to-use website and app. Get seats to an event with just a few taps. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY. That promo code is FANTASY. You'll get a, you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. The promo code is FANTASY. All right, bullpen. Was there anything that happened in the bullpen other than... Uh, the Jean-Marc Gomez thing that we talked about, other than that, that really stood out over the weekend, maybe Blake Trinan, you tell me. Uh, mm. go ahead. Well, Trinan had a shaky outing, like you said, um, Coda Glover followed it Sunday with a shaky outing of his own, so I don't know, I don't know that Trinan's any closer to losing his job than he was when he first got the job. Uh, I would also say Sam Dyson yesterday made his third appearance finally after two disaster outings at the start of the week. Non-safe situation Sunday, but he, you know, it was a pretty clean inning. I think he maybe gave up a hit. So, um, that extends the leash probably just a little bit for him. The Reds used their new, uh, two-inning save strategy with Rysel Iglesias, and he was very, very good. Struck out three. Uh, did not give up a hit over those two innings. Now has two saves. The only bad part about that is you know he's not going to pitch for at least one day, maybe two after he does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, also, Scott, in that Sam Dyson outing, Matt Bush pitched the eighth inning, and he did strike out three batters, but he gave up two hits and a run. So can't be a bad thing for, uh, for, for Sam Dyson. Yeah. It's a bad thing if you picked up Bush and you're rooting for him. But <laughs> Yeah. We don't uh, care about Dyson them. had a walk actually, not a hit, just to be clear. Yeah. Um Edwin Diaz though had the what the, the big meltdown of the weekend, right? That was just yesterday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, was a bad, bad situation. He came in after the momentum was already building, just couldn't <laughs> couldn't stop it. It was a seven run ninth, right? Yeah. Seven and runs. Three three of them were his. Yeah. <laughs> Only three. Yeah. 
but you know, he'd look fine before that. He hasn't been hitting 102 yet like he did last year, so I guess if we want to worry about something, we can worry about velocity, but I don't know. I, I would imagine it probably takes a little time to build up to 102, and if you're hitting 98 instead, it's probably not terrible. Not a terrible thing. There was not a good week for injuries, not a good weekend. Now, hopefully none of these are too, too bad, but Trey Turner hurt his hamstring. I'm going to say a name. You tell me as of right now, as of 9.50 a.m. Eastern, starter sit Trey Turner, who has the hamstring injury. I plan to start him. I plan to start Josh Donaldson, too. If, sorry if I'm skipping ahead. That's fine. But both of them are – their teams are saying they're not going on the DL, or at least they themselves are saying it, and the upside is just too high. Even if it ends up being only four or five games, they're four or five games I want to get credit for. got to mention, though, with Donaldson, another calf injury, and he dealt yeah, with that's, that's, uh that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, he, yeah. he dealt with them it last year. It is in a year. different spot than the one in spring training. I read. It, it, right. That's what John Gibbons said, but he dealt with calf yeah. injuries last year. He dealt with one in spring training. He played most of the year with with a calf injury last year and still was unbelievable. So that's good, but that's, you know, this is why I, I don't, I don't have any Donaldson on my team because I thought he was the riskiest of all those first round hitters. Um, um what is Turner's, like, I was trying to look too. Is, is there off day on Monday this week? Is it on Tuesday? Because if I found out, if, if I knew he had an off day and six games max, and then found out that he wasn't playing on Monday for sure, so is, then he's at five games max, I'm I'm a little more skeptical of starting him if I've got any other decent options. Uh, they are playing on Monday, and they are playing on Tuesday and Wednesday, and they are off on Thursday. Thursday, yeah. So if, if he's not in the lineup tonight, that, that lowers the standard for what I need out of a replacement for him, All personally. Right. Uh, Rich Hill's on the DL with a blister. Big surprise. Shocking. They're hoping it'll be 10 days, and that's why Alex Wood is in the rotation, right? He's the replacement? Yes. it'll. I'm guessing it'll just be for one start, and he won't be a two-start option this week. Um, why are you so optimistic about this blister? After we just saw what happened last year with his blisters. Like, I'm not um, saying it's definite to be like that, but... If I saw on Twitter that you were mostly optimistic about it. Well, I, I, my initial reaction was pessimistic, and then the more I read about it, it's apparently just a minor thing. Um, it's likely he just misses one start. I, I just think we're going to see teams – abuse is such a negative word, but I can't think of another one at the moment. Now that the DL's 10 days instead of 15, mm-hmm. rather than have a guy just use up a roster spot for five days – with the potential for it being more, a lot of day-to-day injuries are going to become DL stints just because 10, I mean, particularly for pitchers, if you plan it right, you can make it so they just miss a start. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of this. All right, Garrett Richards is on the DL with a bicep strain. Gary Sanchez is on the DL also with a bicep strain. And Austin Romine is going to take his place. If we look at catchers, I can look at uh, some available catchers here. Uh, let's see. We've got Sandy Leone, who's 64% owned. Let me go to the most owned catchers here. Guys who are owned in, you know, less than 70% of leagues. We're talking Steven Vogt, Sandy Leone, Cameron Rupp. Who would you take out of those three? I'm still going with Rupp, although he's off to a bad start to the year. I, I went with Vogt, actually. In a league where I'm replacing Sanchez, I went with Vogt over Rupp. A little bit deeper. We got Darno, Zunino. Uh, Cervelli and Hedges and Jason Castro. Darno, Zanino, Cervelli, Hedges and Castro. I'd go Darno. Me too. We got James McCann, Jan Gomes, Tony Walters, Soto. Some real garbage here in DPS. <laughs> Walters. Yeah. Although Soto's kind of interesting. Uh, I was, I tried to add him in, in Tout Wars 15 teams, two catchers, but somebody actually outbid me for him, so. He plays regularly for the White Sox. I could see him hitting between 15 and 20 homers. Okay, so he, Soto would be better than Austin Romine? Yes. Okay. Uh, Greg Bird could play today, but he's dealing with a foot injury and a stomach illness. I, w- I don't think I'd start Greg Bird. I, I know they're home, but, boy, he's been terrible. I have to think the foot has something to do with it, the ankle. And, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Well, yeah, it's a very different situation from Donaldson and Turner, I think. 
Jackie, mostly just relying on a big sprain. That's where his value yeah. comes from. Jackie Bradley has a sprained ligament in his knee. He might need to go on the DL. Adrian Beltre is eligible to come off the DL, but he was eligible yesterday. He didn't come off, and Jeff Bannister won't really give us any clues as to when Adrian Beltre will play. Uh, starter sit Matt Kemp. Uh, I'm sitting him if he doesn't get in the lineup today. Probably sit him in three outfield, but not five outfield. Roberto Ozuna could come off the DL tomorrow. Boston has the flu, although it seems like they're getting a little bit better. And Colin McHugh is going to be shut down for six weeks due to elbow discomfort, no UCL damage. But that means Fires and Musgrove stay in the rotation for a while. And there's some other stuff that I don't care about. Most added list. Let's get to some stuff that will help fantasy owners. The most added players in CBSSports.com leagues are Mark Reynolds, 51% owned now. Brandon Finnegan, up to 88% owned. Sandy Leone, Travis Shaw, Santiago Casilla, 31% owned. Thoughts? He's the fifth most added player. I was telling people most of last week that I thought Mark Reynolds was way under-owned. We've, we've surpassed my uh, ownership desires for Mark Reynolds. We <laughs> don't need to add him anymore. Uh, he's 51%. It, why are people picking up Santiago Casilla? Because they don't oh. know who the A's closer is, and they want to speculate on one of them. He is only 31% owned. I think him being at this high on the most added list is mostly a result of him beginning with 5% ownership. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, he's not getting that much traction in mixed leagues. And we got Kendall Graveman. We have Manuel Margot. We, Manuel, we have, uh, Charlie Morton, 61% owned and two starts this week, by the way. Um, let's see. Antonio Senzatella is 25% owned. Oh, Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett, the uh, red starting pitcher with a nice start over the weekend. He's 39% owned. Anybody motivated to pick him up? He yes. Was, he was the pitcher who, or really the player, who uh, when I was going and putting in my waiver claims this weekend, he was always just the one I had to leave out. Like there wasn't there wasn't quite enough players I was willing to drop to pick him up. I did put him at towards the bottom of the waiver wire column today because I think he's a guy that you could speculate on one good start turning into a, a little bit of a trend. He had some potential a couple of years ago, so last year, I mean, yeah. double A last year at a sub two ERA. Give him a shot. That's uh, Amir Garrett of the Reds, and Jason Castro is thirty percent owned. He is the second most added catcher behind Sandy Leone. You guys make anything of this? The Twins catcher, Jason Castro. I mean, if you need a second catcher, you could do worse, but he's not, it's not like there's real breakout potential here. Nope. How do you feel about Gerardo Parra? Parra 45% owned now. He is, uh, in seven games, batting 440 with a home run, one walk, five strikeouts, no steals yet. I think he needs to be higher owned than that. He should be higher owned than Mark Reynolds. I feel, yeah. there, there's, with Reynolds, there's really no hope that Mark Reynolds holds on to a job unless there's more injuries. Because as soon as Desmond comes back, he's gone. Yeah, you'd think. I just I do wonder if maybe they might work out a timeshare between the left-handed hitting Para and the right-handed hitting Reynolds. That's possible. Reynolds stays hot. But even then, Para would get a lot more playing time. Forth. Yeah, yeah. Para only has two extra base hits, which is worth noting. Um, but, you know, he's worth playing until he cools off, I think. Also, and as little as he strikes out, he could stay hot for a while. Also, Para homered off Clayton Kershaw. He has, I think, the best OPS. I don't know if it's a, of lefties or of any hitter off, against Clayton Kershaw with the minimum of 30 at bats. He's got a th- uh, like a thousand OPS against Kershaw. It's bizarre. That's uh, weird. Yeah. I rank these outfielders. They are all on the most added list. Margot, Para, Souza, and Chris Owings, who's also shortstop eligible, but let's throw him <laughs> in there too. Souza, Margot, Para, Owings. Margot, Souza, Owings, Para. Oh, people want yeah. us to talk about Owings, and they want us to talk about Archie Bradley. Okay, Bradley's made a couple nice relief appearances, and um, <laughs> I did read an article on MLB.com suggesting that. Maybe if Rodney falters, Bradley is someone who could step in and, and take the, over the closer role. But let's not put the cart before the horse. It is only two appearances. And that Diamondbacks 
are still saying they intend to move him to the rotation in the long run. There's just no opening right now. Eventually someone will get hurt or just Shelby Miller will stink it up again or whatever. But uh, right now he's in the bullpen and he's probably their best pure arm in the bullpen. Um, we probably slept on Owings just a little bit as a late round source of steals. I don't expect that he's going to really hit for any power, but he's hitting in a decent spot in the order at times this year. He's off to a good start. He's got four stolen bases. He stole 37 in 2015 and 16 combined. So I guess the big concern like is, is, uh, a, is Ahmed Rosario a great defensive shortstop going to take at-bats from him and eventually Cattell Marte coming up from the minors and doing that? He has to hit, probably, to stay right. a regular player for the Diamondbacks. But four steals so far, and steals are hard to find. Dual-eligible player. I just see him as maybe like a strictly roto option yes. right now. And I think people are looking at Archie Bradley. That's Chris Owings they were talking about. People are looking at Archie Bradley as potentially... The guy who's going to get you great whip and ERA, you know, Andrew, Andrew Miller of the National League, maybe. I don't believe he's that. That's that's really putting the cart before the horse. Okay, well, you know, it could be a, it could be a role for him. Like, like you look at Luis Severino last year. Luis Severino ended up being one of the best relievers in baseball when he was a reliever. He just stunk as a starter. Uh, now Bradley's doing more of a multi-inning role. But, you know, we've seen it. You move a guy to the bullpen, his stuff plays up much better. Uh, so, okay. I, I think I what my hope, my realistic hope is for Bradley is that he goes the Danny Duffy route. That'd be nice. That'd be very yeah. nice. Duffy had another good start over the weekend. Uh, so, let's talk about uh, let's talk about stolen bases. Here are some guys who had big steal weekends. Brett Gardner stole two bags on Friday and another on Saturday. Kansas City second baseman Raul Mondesi had a two two steal game at Houston on Friday. Gene Segura stole three bases yesterday. Malik Smith stole two bases on Saturday for Tampa Bay. Chris Owings had two steals on Sunday, and Manny Machado stole a base more than last year already. That was on Saturday. Anything uh, jump out in the stolen base category? Well, Segura had one stolen base yesterday. Brought him to three. Oh, he had one. I'm sorry. I thought yeah. he stole three bags. Sometimes it's. You see, you see the number after his name in the box score, and yeah, that must you assume the wrong thing. My bad. Um, I mean, Malik Smith reached base five times, I think, in that game Saturday, and then he went over for Sunday. So maybe it's you know just a weird game that we can put behind us, but that's somebody who on the lower end you can look to get steals if he's able to get on base and, you know, walks had a lot to do with it on Saturday. That would help his cause. All right. And what else we got from the hitters? I think we more or less have covered, covered the hitters. Michael Conforto started his first game of the season and he homered. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to get any more playing time out of that. Not yet anyway. Nope. nope. And let's do pitchers then. All right, so here's how we do the pitchers. We talk about the studs. We talk about the guys you might be able to pick up off waivers. Let's talk about studs being studs. And a stud, in this case, is defined. And this is definitely not a stud. It just, you know, I'm only doing it for the sake of rhyming. Um, defined as someone who is owned in more than 80% of leagues. So some of these guys are legit studs. Some of them are Hisashi Ubakuma. <laughs> Dallas Keuchel was a stud again. Zach Greinke had a great start against Cleveland. One run in six and two-thirds with six strikeouts. Lance McCullers struck out ten with no walks, and that means two walks, 22 strikeouts in two appearances. Uh, and both he and Keuchel, by the way, have been much better at home than on the road in their careers, and so far they uh, have made two home starts. Felix Hernandez, I put him in the stud category. I'm not sure. He did give up ten hits. Three runs in six innings, no walks, six strikeouts at the Angels. Julio Tehran is off to a good start. Michael Fulmer had a nice start against the Red Sox, but no bets, no Bogarts, no Hanley. And Hisashi Iwakuma is keeping runs off the board, but he has six walks, four strikeouts on the year. <laughs> Anybody I said, Keiko, Granky, McCullers, Felix, Tehran, Fulmer, Iwakuma, that uh, you want to talk about? I think we're obviously all in on Lance McCullers now, and uh, he'll probably move up. We talked about Cole and Tanaka earlier. He probably will move up ahead of those guys in my rest of season rankings because um, he wasn't too far behind them anyway. Can we, 
I, I just, I want to see more. I think I'd rather have Tanaka than McCullers. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure you would. Um, you wouldn't? I, I don't know that I would. After two starts? I still, I'm not going to say I, that McCullers. I had McCullers in my top 30 starting pitchers as it was, and I had Tanaka between 20 and 30, so it's not a huge leap. All right, first of all, McCullers but, has an injury history. Secondly, uh, I'm not. says comparing him to the guy that's pitching with half a UCL. But he's stayed healthy with half the UCL. And he's pitched well. And, and I'm just saying, I think, we, I think you might be a little hasty on McCullers. I, I the walks I, could I come back. I, I agree. It's a little hasty to move him that far up. But my 70, 17 strikeouts to two walks itself relieves a lot of concern. It's mostly in McCullers case. Uh, will he be able to handle anywhere close to the workload we expect from Tanaka? So are, I want to clarify, if I have Masahiro Tanaka in a league where you guys have Lance McCullers and I offer you Tanaka, you're going to accept it? Yes. Okay. I, I can't imagine turning that down. No. Okay. Unfortunately, um, I don't have any McCullers. So. <laughs> I, I, the only league I got McCullers, this was one where you and Chris are not in it, Heath. So, uh, Granky, this might be a good opportunity to sell high on Granky because his, um, Velocity still isn't back up to even last year's level. Um, so, you know, good start. But again, remember what selling high means. You're not dumping him. You're getting something really valuable in return. Like, I don't know, Cole Hamels or Chris Archer. Chris Archer might be tough to get in this sort of deal. But Would you trade Grinky for Garrett Cole? No. no. No, I have even less faith in Garrett Cole than I do Grinky. Yeah, I love Garrett Cole, and I I think I'd I probably wouldn't want I don't know that I would trade Cole for Granky, but I certainly wouldn't trade Granky for Cole if that makes any sense. I I have trouble parting with players sometimes. It's easier to say you would do a trade and to actually do it when it's like two players that I feel are more or less equivalent. I'd rather just hold on to the one I have because I feel like I'm going to hate myself more if I trade for the guy who then falls apart. Let's talk about studs being duds. Tanaka, we talked about. Carlos Martinez had a terrible start. Uh, Garrett Cole, we talked about. You Darvish, you know, look, you Darvish only gave up one run, but he's got eight walks and nine strikeouts and 12 and a third so far. And Rick Porcello is giving up a lot of hits. Well, he did, he did on Sunday. He's given up more hits than anyone in baseball this year. Really? Yeah, I was just looking at the uh, league leaders. Uh, McCullers leads the league in strikeouts, and Porcello leads the league in hits allowed. Yeah, he's well, made two starts, and one of them was 11, 11 hitter. So that that is a useless stat, <laughs> uh, but it's funny. Anybody it funny. Uh, concerning you here? Other than the ones we mentioned earlier, Cole and and well, Tanaka doesn't even really concern me that much. So just Cole for me. Okay. Yeah, I I don't really have a lot of concern about these guys. All right, studs being duds part two. These guys are owned in more than 80% of leagues. They're not quite studs yet, but they were duds. John Gray, um, like, you know, look. One I don't run, know if he was a dud. One run in five and a third, but three walks, one strikeout, three swinging yeah. strikes. It's weird. You go to you you pitch a home game and go five and a third and give up one run at Coors, I don't care about the rest. I Good do. Job. You don't care I about do. the rest. Wow. That's you, you didn't even I, get a quality John start. Gray owner, you survived one of the fifteen core starts he's going to make, and his numbers didn't get a lot worse. Yeah, but if John Gray is going to remain as owned as he is, he's going to have to do more than survive at home. I yeah. understand the odds are against him, but that's he's going to have to. Yeah, am I, is, I'm going to be holding my breath every time he makes a home start. I'm like, oh, please, five and a third, one inning, three walks, yes. one strikeout. You're rostering a pitcher that pitches for the Rockies. Then, then he was overdrafted. Then he was overdrafted. We we hold our breath every time a visiting pitcher goes into course, whether they're good or not. That, right. That's why I didn't draft them. We're talking great half of Gray's starts. Like, yeah, I I agree he's over overdrafted if we can never trust him at home, and that seems to be what you're suggesting. I I'd, I'd feel better about the start of his first one at Milwaukee was good. The fact that we haven't seen the John Gray we drafted in either of his first two starts, I think, is definitely concerning. And and yeah, the home park is the underlying concern to all of it. Is anybody on this list over-owned? They're all 89% owned or more. Is anybody on this list droppable for like a two-star pitcher or one of those, you know, red-hot outfielders? Sean Manaya, Kevin Gossman, Matt Shoemaker, Marco Estrada, Vince Velasquez. 
I'm about there with Shoemaker. I'm about there. Just the strikeouts, the the way we saw his strikeout drop over his final dozen starts or so last year, and it hasn't turned around. It didn't turn around in spring training, and it hasn't turned around here in two starts. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure he's much better um, than like uh, Joe Musgrove. I've never believed in Marco Estrada, so I'm a bad person to ask about him. But I don't feel like he's a owned in every league kind of guy. I don't know that I'm ready to drop any of these guys, but Shoemaker definitely. I hear what you're saying, Scott and Manaya. Like you can't. Manaya was so dominant after giving up a three run homer yesterday, but he's st- it's two bad starts now, you know yep. and. I just don't know what to make of him. So I, I feel like Manaya is – this is just a based on nothing prediction. He's going <laughs> to get dropped, Yep. and then people are going to regret dropping him. Like He's going to turn it around at some point and, and have a good uh, year, Manaya. Like I, I understand he gave up a lot of runs in this. He gave up as many runs as he gave up base runners, which is just not something that's going to happen very often. And he got 10 strikeouts in five and a third innings, which is awesome. So I'm – I'm not down on him based on the way he started the year. I, I wonder, and I'm not saying this is the case yet, but because Manaya clearly has the ability to pitch like a, a must-own pitcher, but part of being a must-own pitcher is that consistency factor and not having the one or two mistakes per game. Yeah, and, and also I think he's he Manaya is so good against lefties, and whether or not he'll be able to handle righties, kind of like Carlos Rodon, you know, and again, that's why I think like it might take him a little while this year, but we'll see. Like after he gave up that three run homer, Manaya just dominated, as we mentioned, ten strikeouts. So you couldn't drop him or anything. But I got my eye on him. Uh, all right, look, uh, we gone a little as always happens with the Monday show. I've taken too long, so I'm gonna read a whole bunch of names now, and I want you to tell me who you like in each group. Fringy starting pitchers, part one. They're owned in sixty-five to seventy-nine percent of leagues. Ivan Nova, Liriano, Kendall Graveman, Stephen Wright. Gazelman, Irvin Santana, Hellickson, Zimmerman, Zach Wheeler. Give me your favorite three in that group. My favorite three are Gazelman, Liriano, and Graveman, I guess, just edges out Irvin Santana. But I wasn't dropping Santana anywhere where I picked him up initially for the two-star week. Yeah, I don't know about specific order, but I, I think I might go Santana, Graveman, and Nova. I kind of like everybody, just about everybody in this group. I feel like all of them have a case to be owned. Maybe not Wheeler. I'm yeah, not. they all have a case to yeah. be owned. Wheeler and Hellickson, I think, and Wright are probably the ones I'd be least likely to own. Yeah, I guess I'm not really in love with Jordan Zimmerman, but I see why people would own him. I mean, Zimmerman had a good start. It was against the Red Sox, but no bets, no Bogarts, no Hanley, and Andrew Benintendi threw up during the game, so keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, I actually. think he got like five swinging strikes, too, so I don't know. I don't know that we can really make anything of this first start from Zimmerman. And I think their broadcaster, Dave O'Brien, also threw up during that game. He had to leave. I don't know if he threw up, but he had to leave that game. That was the Saturday game. That's the one that he had to leave early. Um, fringy starting pitchers part two, 50 to 64 percent owned. Trevor Bauer, Daniel Norris, Severino, Eduardo Rodriguez, Hyunjin Ryu. Bauer, Daniel Norris, Severino, Eduardo Rodriguez, Ryu. I dropped Eduardo Rodriguez in a league. I think that one where I had to pick up, um, I need to drop him to pick up Greg Holland or Mitch Haniger, and he's still my favorite on this list. Okay. Uh, Ryu, I thought, you know, not, not bad. Four and two thirds, uh, six hits, two runs, one walk, five strikeouts at Colorado. Yep. So, 50 He's someone to keep an eye on. Yeah. That, most of these guys are on the keep an eye on more than they, I want to have them on my roster. Yeah, okay. And Fringy starting pitchers part three, 30 to 49% on. We got Sabathia, Corbin, Shelby Miller, and Clayton Richard all pitched over the weekend. Sabathia, Corbin, Shelby Miller, Clayton Richard. I had a move in the podcast league, or maybe it wasn't the one head-to-head points leagues, where I was going to drop Corbin to pick up somebody, and then I saw Corbin. Corbin had his start for Arizona later that afternoon, and I took the bid out. Feel okay. like you got to hold on to him, certainly in leagues where the relief pitcher eligibility matters. Yeah, he pitched very well yesterday. Corbin six scoreless innings, three strikeouts against Cleveland, and deep leagues. I'm not even going to read the names. 
but you got him in front of you. Is there anybody in these owned in less than 30% of leagues? We talked about Amir Garrett. He's 24% owned. Garrett. Is there anybody else uh, that you think needs to be owned right now in more leagues? I'd like to have Garrett on my roster for his next start just in case it's really good. Oh, some of these did have some interesting starts over the weekend, but nobody who's really moving me to pick them up. Mike Leak had some interesting comments after his eight-inning gym against the Reds about um, how he feels like he feels he he feels like it wasn't a return to form from him after a miserable 2015. He feels like he's 2016. He feels like he's just he's taking a step that he never even knew how to take before, kind of thing. Like he's he feels like he's on the verge of a real breakout. Hmm. Which, it sounds like a, a rom com. Like he's does it? He's taking a step he never. He seems like he's jumping into love, head first. Yeah, like a tagline for a mm-hmm. a rom com. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not adding leak, but I thought it was interesting and let's see what happens next. All right. And I, I, there there are a couple guys here that could have good like Jason Vargas could have a good year, right? And Yeah, I, good in like a in a deep league good, sense. Like yeah. a like a streamer type of way. I could see Jason Vargas becoming a streamer. And I think Wei Yin Chen, like I don't understand how Wei Yin Chen was so bad last year with the Marlins. He was a a solid mid threes ERA guy with Baltimore. He went to a better park and he had a terrible year. So I'm hoping Chen can at least be, you know, a guy that should be owned in 20 to 30% of leagues. And maybe in deep leagues you keep an eye on Chen. I don't know. <laughs> and emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We'll finish with your emails. Real quick here. This is from Ben. Ben said, uh, I'm trying to sort out if my brother ripped off his wife with a trade in our head-to-head points league. At his <laughs> suggestion, she gave up Francisco Lindor – for his Chris Archer and Dansby Swanson, is that kosher? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. yeah. That seems like a reasonable trade. I'd I'd take the Lindor side eight times out of ten, probably. But I mean, Archer's borderline ace, and Dansby Swanson's an upside shortstop. So I I don't think it's a bad trade. I will say, if this league is for money, then you. You may have a watchful eye on those two all year long. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say that I, I did manage to make a team na- uh, with the name Dansby Sampsonite, as I promised. This is from Chris. Oh, uh, this is an Archie Bradley question, so we already answered it. This is from Antoine. 10-team head-to-head categories league. It's uh, Oh, and a 12-team head-to-head points league. He needs catcher replacements for Sanchez. Cameron Rupp, Soto, McCann, Walters, Cervelli, or Norris. I assume that's James McCann. Um, my choice would be Rupp. Mine would be Rupp as well. If it were Brian McCann, you would go with Brian, right? Yes. yes. And Okay, good job. This is from Rich in St. Pete, Florida. Dear Benny, Scott, Ham, and Hercules. That's uh, the Sandlot. It is the Sandlot. I'm, who's Hercules in the Sandlot? The dog. The dog. I'm having trouble making pitching decisions. I play in a weekly 14-team points league, and I can't decide whether or not I should drop a guy I like for a guy I might not like but has two starts. Um, should I be content to start a one-start Jason Hamill or drop him for for Joe – Willie Peralta, sorry. Should I drop no. Hamill, Eduardo Rodriguez, or Joe Musgrove for a two-start Willie Peralta? I don't think so, no. I would not. I guess I'm the only one who likes Willie Peralta. Yep. No, I, I, I could see how he could become good, but he's not there yet. And I think one of his two starts is against the Cubs. I think. No, Reds and Blue Jays on the road. Okay, Blue Jays is probably what I was thinking. It was, it wasn't a good one. Yeah, ter- and the Reds might not be a good start. Like the Reds are hit or miss. They, they could really bop sometimes. Um, Robert in New Jersey, grade the trade. Eight team, five by five league. Give AJ Pollock. Get Danny Duffy. F. Uh, F, man, you're so, you're so polar with your grades. There's a full spectrum of grades to hand out. Scott, it doesn't have to be A plus a- or F. This isn't a pass or fail course. If I was grading your draft and you took Danny Duffy at the start of the third round, I'd give you an F for that too. <laughs> I think that's a little harsh, but, um, I'll go D plus. D plus? That's almost a C. It's almost a break. I have deal. to save the F for even, I promise you, we'll get worse deals than this. That's a, there can, there can be more than one F. We're not grading on a curve where there's only one F all year round. Yeah, like a 50 is an F, and so is a 10. 
I would I would be sending an email to the commissioner saying I'm sorry I was drunk. Can we please take the trade? Back? Like, okay. I mean, Danny Duffy's really good. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't take him next to where I took AJ Pollock, but you know, needs change. Even a week into the season, needs change. And sometimes you have to act in desperation. And Dave says, "Oh, oh, read the names." Hey, Jack, Chrissy, and Janet. Come and knock on my door. Come and knock on our door. Uh, We've been waiting for you. Would you drop Devin Travis for Jan Hervis Solarte? Yes. You with the singing. Yes, I would do that also. And John in Boston is in a, an OBP and extra base hit league. Who's better to roster, Josh Bell or Yuri Gurriel? Bell. Bell. Keep an eye on Bell. He's doing a little bit better lately. He says he's coming out of it. Uh, they seem to be a little optimistic in Pittsburgh. Just keep an eye on him. Not quite ready to drop him yet. Guriel, though, Guriel's not even playing every day. So, by the way, how amazing is Corey Seager? Two years in first two years of his career, just no spring training, and he rolls right into the season like he's an MVP candidate. It's amazing. It's like guy's a natural. Yeah, he's quite good. I'd like to see him do it away from Coors. <laughs> That's it for the show today. We're back tomorrow. Goodbye.